Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, October 26th. Watching the Titans certainly has been anything but boring in 2020. The Pittsburgh Steelers dominated the first half on Sunday and held a 27-7 lead midway through the third quarter when the Titans sprang to life on both sides of the ball. Through a big play by A.J. Brown, some physical running by Derrick Henry, and most importantly, multiple forced turnovers by the defense, Tennessee eventually got the ball down by three with less than three minutes to play. Sound familiar? Ryan Tannehill, who was under pressure the entire day and played one of the worst games as a starter for the Titans, did do his job at the end when it mattered the most and got his team into field goal range with 14 seconds left to tie the game. Steven Guskowski could not connect from 45 yards out, however, and the Steelers held on for dear life and the 27-24 win. Pittsburgh moves to 6-0 and the Titans fall to 5-1. The game itself wasn't close for the first 35 minutes, with Pittsburgh setting the physical tone on both sides of the ball. The Titans' defense, which was torched for much of the game by Big Ben, does deserve some credit for making a few really big plays late in the game to give their team a chance. But this group was largely ineffective again, and basically non-existent on third downs again. The NFL's worst third down defense surrendered 13 conversions on 18 attempts on Sunday to Pittsburgh. Here are a few big-picture takeaways from this performance by the Titans in no particular order. Number one, to be within a field goal after getting pushed around shows some testicular fortitude. Getting pushed around is clearly a bad thing, and it's a concern, but bouncing back and competing with the team as good as Pittsburgh is a positive sign. Number two, this defense is a major liability. There are some young pieces that are getting better by the game, but there's a major void of talented veteran leadership at basically every level. There is plenty of raw talent, but unless it develops quickly, what we saw on Sunday could cost you a game in the playoffs. Number three, the offensive line had major issues protecting Ryan Tannehill and creating space for Derrick Henry. Now, this Pittsburgh group is arguably the best defensive front in the NFL, so the Lawanless O-line should have easier tests moving forward than the one they lost on Sunday. But they might also have to face this type of group again with a lot more hanging in the balance. And nothing I saw on Sunday showed me that the Titans offensive line would win in a big playoff battle with an elite defensive front. It's very uncommon to see a Mike Vrabel coach team get totally out physicaled, but that happened on Sunday on both sides of the ball. Number four, if you are a team that isn't generally good at the special teams, like kicking field goals, it's hard to put your kicker into this many critical situations before it eventually does backfire on you. Guskowski has been better than anything this team had last year, but those issues from last year have cropped up over each of the last two games, and this time it cost them a chance at victory. It turned into a great football game, as the Titans showed us once again that they will be nearly impossible to kill every time they take the field. But the things that concerned you about the matchup heading into the game, the defensive liabilities and the questions up front on offense, were the obvious reasons that the better team eventually won the game. Even if Tannehill and company did give it a hell of a run at the end. So what's next for the Titans now that they've lost an actual football game? Well, Tennessee heads to Cincinnati to face number one pick Joe Burrow next weekend, who, by the way, just torched the Browns for four bills on Sunday. And one of the biggest questions facing John Robinson this week is, will he do anything drastic to address some of the team's glaring weaknesses? Adoree Jackson should be back soon and will add some much-needed speed and leadership to the secondary that obviously has some glaring holes at corner. But what about the offensive line? Will Isaiah Wilson play any sort of role for this football team in 2020? I'm not saying that you mortgage the farm for a high-priced midseason acquisition, 
But you were just one win away from the Super Bowl last year, and you are today clearly one of the best teams in the AFC. If there ever was a time to push all of the chips into the middle of the table, it might be now. And the trade deadline should be very easy for everyone to remember. It's Tuesday, November 3rd. We'll see what John Robinson decides to do. Normally, when I put together this podcast, I am trying to consider what Middle Tennessee sports fans care the most about. Normally, that would be the Titans, the Preds, SEC football, namely the Tennessee Volunteers, but also a lot of other schools with large alumni bases mixed in, Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Kentucky, maybe Vanderbilt. But the idea that I have nothing really to say about the third Saturday in October or that it doesn't belong anywhere near the top of this show is is all you need to know about what has happened to the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry. I could try to analyze why Najee Harris had 157 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns and whose fault it was that the Vols couldn't tackle air on Saturday. I could try to analyze the job that Jared Garantano did or how well the offensive line played or the game that Jim Chaney called, whose offense, by the way, is ranked 12th in the SEC at 4.8 yards per play right now. But honestly, none of that is really relevant to any of you. And that is the harsh reality of the state of things in Knoxville right now. The Vols lost their 14th straight game to Alabama on Saturday and now sport a three-game losing streak in which they've lost by 23, 27, and 31 points. Smoke them if you got them. Pruitt is 9-12 and 12 in the SEC through two and a half seasons, and 11 of those losses have come by at least three touchdowns. That's a lot of uncompetitive football. You want another one, just for fun? Over the last 10 quarters, since halftime of the Georgia game, opposing defenses have outscored the Volunteers' offense 28-24. to Think about that. If the Vols' opponents did not take a single snap on offense over the last two and a half games, Tennessee would still be losing. Pruitt said after the loss that no one is more disappointed than the people inside the program, but that he's not discouraged and that the people in his program aren't discouraged either. While that is obvious coach speak, I think it's safe to say that people are pretty, 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 pretty discouraged right now about the state of their program, and I have nothing to comfort you with. After a missed opportunity at three points on Friday night that ended in a 1-1 draw against New England on a rainy, sloppy night in Music City, Nashville SC enters the next biggest week in franchise history. Just four matches remain until postseason play begins, and the boys in gold are squarely in the playoff race with one of the greatest statistical defenses in MLS expansion history. Tuesday night, the club will travel to Montreal to take on the impact at 6 p.m. Central Time before hosting the Chicago Fire on Halloween night at Nissan Stadium next Saturday. SC is battling both clubs for playoff spots in the Eastern Conference, so the importance of this week cannot be overstated. SC is riding a three-game unbeaten streak in which they've scored seven goals, and they did find four points in what was the biggest week in franchise history last week. This week is even bigger, and the stakes are even higher. I know giving up the lead on Friday wasn't that exciting, but this whole professional soccer thing is pretty damn fun right now. Thank you guys for listening and hanging out. Of course, please rate, review, and subscribe, and share, and tell all your friends about the show. That's how we grow it. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Monday, October 26th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.